0: Well, I want to consider it a real privilege to be back with you today. Uh, many of you were so gracious and kind last week to share about some of the people that have invested in your life, uh, some of those faithful mentors who have encouraged you to walk closer to God, and I just want to say that it was a pleasure to hear that and to be thankful for those that have invested in us. Uh, this week I got an interesting email uh, from an old high school friend, and he said, it's about time for our 30-year high school reunion. And I began to think back, has it really been 30 years since I graduated from high school? I began to think about the places I had lived, the, the people I had met, the, the places I had worked. I began to be thankful for my wife of 22 years. I began to think of the joy of seeing my four kids born and grow and mature. And I began to realize how quickly time passes. I began to think about some of the sorrows and difficulties that I had faced during that time. And I began to just be amazed at how quickly we go from just finishing high school So now 30 years looking back and thinking about what that must be. When I began to think about that, I was curious for for those of you that are here today, I'd like you to participate a little bit in what we're going to do. If you've been in Prague more than one year, I'd like you to, uh, excuse me, one month, raise your hand. If you've been in Prague more than one month, keep your hands up. If you've been in Prague more than one year, keep your hand up. If you've been in Prague more than uh, three years, keep your hand up. Some hands dropping. Five years, ten years. Well, thank you for participating in this. In in our organization, if someone's been on the field for about seven years, that's pretty much the average tenure. Uh, And in Europe, it's actually about 11 years. So we're a very mobile people. Uh, Just doing a little research about most of you, uh, in expat life, most people are in their location less than four years. Uh, We move around quite a bit, uh, this audience does. Uh, Many of you are top managers. Uh, You're not just the the -the run-of-the-mill employee. You're top performers. You have an extended level of influence, and you're responsible for other people's lives. Many of you work in environments with people that are very different from you. Uh, Now the workplace looks very different than it 20 years ago when people moved from one place to the other. Uh, Many of you will have additional responsibility when you leave this place. When you leave this chapter of life and go on to what is next, you'll have additional promotions more people's responsibility, more budgets, uh, you're people that, uh, that have importance. And just for fun, I, as, as we noticed Dan and Bex, uh, more than one-third of you will find your life partner uh, while you're overseas. And so that, although uh, uh, just, we were joking just a little bit earlier about finding someone, it's actually quite true that many people find their life partner. According to Prague TV study, more than half a million foreigners live in the Czech Republic. Probably wouldn't surprise you that the largest number is from Ukraine. More than 23% are from Ukraine. What's surprising that it was only 1.5% of those are from my home country, from the United States. And they say that in, according to the Prague TV study in 2016, more than 14% of the population of this city is a foreigner. If we're only going to be here for a short time, if we all have come from somewhere and are going to somewhere, how do we answer the question that Moses said, how do we number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom? I believe Jesus answered that in the, in the parable of the talents. If you've got a copy of your scripture, I would encourage you to turn to, in the Pew Bible, it'd be on page 983. And this was a story that Jesus told about the kingdom of God and about the coming kingdom and about how we should invest our time, our talents, and our treasure. I'll be reading from the New International Version. It'll be on the screen as well. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents went away at once and put his money to work and gathered five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off Dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But the man with two talents also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more in it. And the master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But then the man who had received one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you do not sow and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, "'You wicked, lazy servant. "'So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown "'and gather where I have not scattered. "'Well, then you should have put my money on deposit "'with the bankers so that when I returned, "'I would have received it back with interest. "'Take the talent from him "'and give it to the one who has ten talents. "'For everyone who has will be given more, "'and he who has will have an abundance. "'Whoever does not have even what he has "'will be taken from him. "'And throw that worthless servant outside "'into the darkness.' Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As we begin to look at this story, maybe remember this parable. I think it's helpful as we begin a new stage and we think about the brevity of our life. It's important to realize that God is the master of all; He's the source of everything that we have. In this story, God, the master, is the one that gives the talents to the servants. He is the one that entrusts them to what He has. One author said, "We are born of God's providence." We are sustained by His grace, we are redeemed by His mercy, and we are devoted to His praise. As we begin, we must realize that God is the one who has the design, the orchestration, the plan of our lives. He's the master of all that we have. He is the giver of all good things. James said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that we had the the master was the one that gave these he was the one that had a plan that had a design he was taking a journey and he had a plan for how he wanted his talents to be invested i can remember the story of when jesus was in the with the disciples in the boat and they were crossing the sea of galilee there began to be a storm and the disciples were afraid for their life and in matthew 13 they began excuse me in matthew 8 they began to they wake jesus thinking that they're going to die And Jesus first, before he speaks to the wind and to nature, he speaks to the disciples and says, oh, you of little faith, why were you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? As we begin this new season, as we begin this new time of being in the city, it's important to remember that God is the master of all You may have made choices to come here, but God has a greater plan and a greater purpose for you. You may have thought, I got left here in Prague. This isn't where I chose to be. God has a plan and a purpose and a design for your life that he's able to see the beginning, the now, and the end. He's the one who's the master of all things. The second thing that's invaluable in this story is that we have a gift of immeasurable value. In English, we actually get our word from this parable. We now think of it as a, as a skill or a talent, something that we've acquired. But actually, in those days, it was a sum of money. The best guess that we can guess today was: be one talent would be worth about six hundred thousand dollars in today's money. So one talent would be worth six hundred thousand. Two talents would have been one point two million dollars, and five talents would have been three million dollars. Each of these servants received a gift of immeasurable value. Now, what is that gift for us? Jesus doesn't tell us this in the story. He doesn't explain to us what this gift means. But I think there are some things that we can understand as he spoke about the kingdom. It could mean our life. It could mean the short time that we have about our life, the the time between when we we are born and the time in the dash before our life, before we pass. In Psalm 103, David said, and we sang about this just a minute ago, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord has given you life. God has allowed you to be born at this time and this place of history because of his love and his care for you. He's placed you in the circumstances and the situations he has for his glory and for your good. David reminds us that we have been forgiven of our sin. Those of us that have placed our faith in Christ can never look any further than the cross to wonder if God loves us, if God cares for us. If God had never answered another of your prayers, if he said yes to forgiveness and said yes to salvation, that should be enough to allow you to follow him for the rest of your days. If you face untold hardship or difficulty, if you have forgiveness, if you have hope in Christ... That is the greatest thing. But David goes on to say that we have a God who hears us, who loves us, who gives us a purpose, takes away the crown, the, 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 takes our life from a pit and gives us love and compassion and a crown. He sets us in a new direction. That's the God that we serve. That's the gift that we've, been, that we've received. Some authors look at this and say, well, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, when Jesus left, he said he would send a comforter and 2 Corinthians 1.22, it says, He has set His seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, a guarantee of what is to come. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a down payment to know that what is coming is what God has promised is true. You have no more now of the Holy Spirit than you did when you first placed your trust in Him. The only difference is how much do you rely upon the Holy Spirit? How much do you fully follow him? How much do you exhibit in your life the gifts of the Spirit? We also have the Spirit to, to lead us, to guide us. You notice if when people have a gift, if they think they earned it, they're often entitled. They're often sometimes arrogant. Have you ever seen when someone will interview an athlete and they'll say, well, wasn't that a fantastic game? And sometimes the athlete will say, yes, because I trained so hard and Because I got up so early, that's why I was able to do this. And sometimes that just kind of puts us off. But sometimes an athlete will say, yes, I had great coaches, I had great teammates around me, and it was a group effort. We know that that person is gracious. They realize that what they had had come to them, and it was an amazing thing. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For what makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? If you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not have it? All that we have that is good comes from God. His mercy, his kindness, he brings rain to the good and to the bad. He brings his love and mercy to all of us. All that we have is a gift from him. Can you imagine that this one servant thought that he had such a small gift? Can you imagine if I gave you today, I told, read you a letter and said, one of your uncles has passed and you've now received an inheritance of over $600,000. Would any of you say that that was a small gift? Of course not. We would say that's an amazing gift. But oftentimes, many of us squander our lives or opportunities. Of course, in this story, it involved risk. There was no guarantee that the five or the two-talent man would do anything with that money. But there's also no guarantee in our own lives of what we will do. It involves risk. It involves uncertainty. Jesus told another story about the kingdom of God. He said it's like a a man who found a, a treasure in a field. He went and he covered up the treasure and he left, sold everything that he had so that he could buy that field and have that treasure. Was it worth it? Absolutely. It cost something. Anybody that tells you following Jesus won't cost you anything is is selling you something. It's not the whole story. Following Jesus will cost you everything. But is it worth it? Absolutely. In this life and in the life to come, it's absolutely worth it. We all have limited time talents, and treasures. They, I, I have, in my mind, I have the image of two characters, uh, two cartoon characters. One is Bob the Builder. He was a, a lovable little British guy who diligent. He works hard. He works with other people, and he's, he, he accomplishes things. He works with others and takes care of tasks. But I also have in mind another character of Sid the Sloth. And Sid is a lovable character. He's pleasant. He's not the hero in Ice Age at all, but he doesn't really accomplish anything. He just kind of is lazy and kind of makes it through the movie without too much happening. And that's the story in this picture. That's the story in this parable, the, the image in this parable of, of two characteristics in life, those that are diligent and those that are lazy. It says the two people that had five and two talents immediately went to work. They didn't wait around. They didn't wait for a better opportunity. They didn't wait for a better chance. They began to to go at work immediately, and they began to develop their talents. God has given you a talent. Uh, That is his spirit. That is his presence. That is skills. That is spiritual gifts. That is also skills that you have. What are you doing to invest those talents? What are you doing to develop those talents? Are you closer to God now than you were five years ago? Are you able to teach others now that you weren't able to teach five years ago? What about in your professional life and your financial? Are you closer to where you want to be so that you can be a blessing to those around you and to the extension of God's kingdom? What are you doing to develop the talents you have? It is true that God gives them to us, but it is also true that we have a responsibility to develop those talents. It's interesting when you stop paddling, you go with the flow. We were down in Chesky Krumlov this summer and we're able to paddle with hundreds and thousands of checks that go down to that area. It's a beautiful area. But one thing I've noticed is when you stop paddling, you just gotta go with the flow. And you never go upstream, you always go downstream. It's the same in life, you never drift in a positive direction. When you take your foot off the throttle, when you stop pressing in toward what God has for your life, you're going to drift in a wrong direction. You're going to start to fade away from His Word, from prayer, from other believers. You're going to drift in a wrong direction. We all have limited time to... The sloth, he, he was reluctant to try. What did he say? He said, you're a hard man, harvesting where you don't sow. You know, when we start to make bad decisions, we, we, excuse me, when we began to have bad information about God's character, he began to think, is, is this the way the master is? Kind of reminds me of Serpent when he came up to Eve and he said in chapter 3, verse 1 of Genesis, did God really say... We began to doubt what God's Word said. We began to doubt His provision, His presence. We make bad choices. We began to think that, well, God, you really are trying to protect me. You're trying to hold something back from me. I want to tell you today, God is trying to hold you back from something. Do you know what that is? He's trying to hold you back from pain, from regret, from shame, and from loss. If if you hear any thoughts in your mind that God's trying to keep something from me, that's exactly right he is. He's trying to keep you from regret, from loss, from missed opportunities. And the sloth was, was not too worried about that. What do we do when we begin to make bad choices about God with misinformation? We, we're afraid, and we, and we hide. He said, I was afraid, and I hid your talent. That also sounds like what happened in Genesis with Adam. When God began to come to him and say, where are you? He's, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. Is that what God wants for us? When we began to make bad choices about with bad information, God wants us to come to him instead of being afraid and hiding. Today, if you've made some choices that are not honoring to God, you may be like, feel like you need to hide and be in a far corner of this auditorium. That's not at all what your Heavenly Father wants. He wants you to draw near to him and to know his love and to know his forgiveness. He wants you to come close to him. The only time it's good to drift is in fly fishing, but in the rest of life, it's good to be pressed in close to what God has for us. The next thing that's important here is that we are stewards and managers of our time, talents, and treasure. The first time I read this parable, or many times I read this parable, I thought a servant of just a common slave. But many times when this word is used in the Old and New Testaments, it's more of a owner of a household. This is like someone who is in charge of the financial affairs, someone who's in charge of the domestic things that take place in this house. And so when the master gives them more than a half a million dollars, it's not he's giving it to a common slave. He's giving it to someone who has experience, someone who's important and knows what's taking place. All of these received a gift, but only two-thirds did anything with it. Each of us has received a gift. Each of us is responsible for our lives and for our time and for our talents and our treasure. And unfaithfulness is less about what we have than what we do with what we have. Did you notice that the commendation Jesus gave to, or the master gave to both of these servants that was five and two? It's almost like he copy and pasted. It's like when the man, when, they, when the writer of Matthew was copying this down, it's like he just copy and pasted from the five and the two talents he said the same thing. It was less about what they had than about what they did with what they have. And sometimes we look at people like Bex or like uh, Preston and we say, well, those are five talent people. I'm not a five talent person. And we look at other people and say, well, they're one talent people and they're not doing anything with that. But the reality is many of us are, are five talent people. You have amazing gifts and opportunities. You're in environments to interact with those that are far from God. You're in relationships where you can encourage and draw people near, and you have a responsibility. It's not that you're the the common slave. You have the gift of God's Spirit inside you. You are the light that is on a hill. You are the salt of the earth, and you have amazing responsibility for those around you, and not only for your own life. Someone has said that potential is the difference between possibility and actuality, not accomplishment. It's the difference between what we actually could have done And what we did. Now, if the five-talent person had only produced two talents, we would say that's disappointing. When the two-talent individual produced two more talents, we said that's incredible. God is asking, what is he asking of you? He's not asking you to do five talents if you're a two-talent. But He's asking, give what you have and put it in the master's hands and it will be impressive. The, The writer of Peanuts, Charles Schultz, says, there's no heavier burden an unfulfilled potential. And Henry Ford said, there's no man living who's not capable of doing more than he thinks he can do. What is holding you back from extending your life and from sharing your influence with more and with others? God is asking us to do that. The master demands it. And the last point here is that we will all give an account for reward or for commendation. In verse 19, we don't like to think about this, but there is a time of reconciliation. There is a time of reconciling. It says after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. There will be a time, a day, when this chapter of your life will close. Most of you will not end your days in Prague. Most of you will go on to something else. And there will be a time when this chapter will close. And it's helpful to think about that. It's helpful to think about what that will look like. And it's interesting that people often like to share good news. In the work that I do, when I began to share with people, tell me about how things are going in your life. People love to share good news with me. But they're often reticent to share things that haven't gone the way they wanted, things that they regretted about what took place. And what I think God wants us to do is He wants you to be able to tell all of your story. When you look back on this stage and chapter of your life, He wants you to be able to tell all of that story. He doesn't want you to have any regrets or any pain Think about the time when Paul came back from the first missionary journey. In Acts fourteen twenty six to 28, it said, From Attalia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he'd opened the door of faith for the Gentiles. And even in the second journey, listen to what it says. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. When Paul got back from that first trip, he didn't kind of sneak in late at night, try to just sit on the back row and hope nobody noticed. No, he was excited. He wanted to go tell the elders what God had done, how the door had been opened, how new churches had been started. That's the opportunity that we have as believers. We have the opportunity to share what God has done through us. We have the opportunity to give an account of our lives, and to be excited about it, but, but notice what happened to the second, to the one town individual. There, there was a, a time of loss. It was verbal, verbal rebuke. He said, "You wicked and lazy servant." He didn't candy coat it. He didn't make this sound nice and pleasant so that he would receive it well. He was very direct, and he was very strong. And what happened to him? It said that there was lost opportunity. There was a time that he would not be able to go back. And he couldn't run right then to the banker and invest that money. It was too late. There was lost opportunity. One of the commentators said that the way that they, this idea of the thrown outside of the weeping and gnashing of teeth, said that in those days when they couldn't tell if an individual was ultimately guilty of of a crime, they they had one way to test them, and it was almost a superstitious way, that they would tie a rope on them and hang them over the edge of the city walls where the trash would be collected. And they would leave them there overnight, and the animals would come in that area. And as the darkness began to descend, and as they began to hear the sounds of animals, the, the idea was if they were innocent, they would survive till the next morning. But the reality was many times when they found individuals, they were almost completely insane and had gone through significant mental anguish for one night. Jesus says that there, there will come a time when we will be judged for our life. It will either be to give an account for the great things that he has done, or there will be an account to say that there will be punishment and there will be loss. Can you imagine what a a place would be like that if overnight you began to see darkness, you began to see anguish, and you began to wonder, is there any hope? Jesus said that in this life there is an opportunity, but beyond this life there is a time for punishment and for condemnation. I want to close with one illustration Uh, on a video of Dan and Bex. They were so gracious to do this. I'm thankful for Alex, uh, who who videoed this. And I think this just kind of captures the story of two real people uh, who had limited time, who honored God, and we're able to see how their story intersects with ours. So if you'd roll the video, and then I'll close this in prayer.